Are there apostles and prophets in today's New Testament churches? If you went to different churches and asked pastors this question, you would probably get many different answers. How do we prove this position? We go to the New Testament Bible to see what it says about the New Testament church. If you want to know about the rules of golf, you go to the booklet that has the rules of golf set up by the Golf Association. If you want to know about something in the church, you go to the New Testament Bible where it tells you that which is ordained by God for today's church. Unfortunately, many of the churches today have changed their doctrines from away from the Bible. So you have to prove everything two ways. Through prayer, asking God to show you the truth, and by the Bible, looking at the verses that pertain to the subject that you wish to learn about. Today we're going to spend some time on the subject of apostles and prophets and other ministers. If you will look at Ephesians chapter 4, it will tell you exactly what Jesus ordained as ministers for the New Testament church. We will start at verse 8, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. When he, Jesus, ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that henceforth we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and by the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. After Jesus arose, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These are the ministers given to the New Testament church by Jesus Christ. And they are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's in Ephesians 4, verse 8 and 11. If you are driving in your car and don't have an opportunity to write these scriptures down, don't worry about it. You can go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Go to our blog on the right-hand side of the blog, page one of the home page. You will see podcast recordings and scriptures. You can hear this recording on our podcast, on our blog, 
And you can read the exact scriptures that are recorded in this episode, which is episode 3. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What do apostles do? We learn that by looking at the Bible. So let's look at Acts chapter 15. This is exactly where God took me when I asked him this question. I asked my Bible teacher at the, at the class we had, who are the apostles in our church? Because they believed that there were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I said, who are the apostles? And he said, I don't know. And I said, what do they do? And he said, I don't know. So I asked God, what do apostles do? And he took me to Acts 15 to show me the work of an apostle in the New Testament church. A problem had arisen. God had accepted the Gentiles for salvation. So the problem was, do we have to circumcise the Gentiles? They have not been circumcised. A big argument arose about this between the Jewish believers and the apostles. So the apostles went to Jerusalem to meet with other apostles and elders of the church to discuss this matter. Acts 15, verse 4. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise the Gentiles and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. Peter spoke and shared what God had done through him with the Gentiles. He also spoke of scripture from the Old Testament. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke. And there was much, it says, much disputation at that meeting. After everyone had spoken, James stood up and spoke. Acts 15.13 And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Peter has declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore my sentence is, in other words, James is going to give the decision on the matter that they will eventually go by. So James says, I've listened to to men talk, I've read the scriptures, I know what the Old Testament says about this matter. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them 
which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas to tell them this, to tell the Gentiles. They sent letters, they sent people to the churches, telling them the Gentiles do not have to be circumcised. This is what apostles do today. Different doctrines come into the church, just like are there apostles' prophets? Some churches say there are no apostles' prophets. Those ordained by God as apostles will bring these scriptures forth to show that after the crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And yes, there are apostles and prophets today, and this is what they do. Another subject which is highly disputed today, can a woman remarry after she's divorced? Most churches today will say, yes, she can remarry. Most pastors will say, yes, she can remarry. If you will look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, you will see what Jesus says about this subject. Jesus says, But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. In the previous times, it had been written to give your wife a bill of divorcement if you wanted to divorce her. That's in the Old Testament. But Jesus says, but I say unto you, I'm going to take it a step further. Whosoever shall put away this faithful wife causes her to commit adultery. When she remarries, she will commit adultery, the faithful wife. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe what Jesus said. See, you're going to have to look at these scriptures to get your, get your um, doctrine by the scriptures, not by your church, because your church may not teach this. And why wouldn't they teach it? Because it would not be popular. That's exactly why they don't teach it. It wouldn't be popular. Many churches started out this way and then changed as time passed because they were losing church members who were going to other churches where they taught they could divorce and remarriage without penalty. So you have to look at the New Testament to find out what the rules are for the New Testament. There is a scripture in 1 Corinthians 7 that just blows the roof off of this subject. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're going to start at verse 10. Paul says this is a commandment of the Lord for the New Testament church. 1 Corinthians 7, beginning at verse 10. And unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. 
Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. So you've been divorced. Your husband has divorced you, and you were a faithful wife. Or your husband, let's say he's committing fornication and you decide to leave him. This says, don't leave, but if you do leave, remain unmarried. Or be reconciled to your husband. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, the woman who puts away her husband and marries another commits adultery. So if you divorce your husband and marry another man, you commit adultery. One time a woman contacted me and she wanted to know, wanted to discuss her mother's second marriage with me. And God said to me, no, don't discuss the facts of the second marriage. Look at the scriptures. Just focus on the scriptures. So if you want to know what happens on divorce and remarriage and what the Bible says, Look at the scriptures. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, 1 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11. Mark chapter 10 has a rather thorough discussion on the subject of divorce and remarriage. And Romans chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 talk about this. Romans chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. You have to compare all of these scriptures to make a a decision on the subject. If you went to 10 churches in your neighborhood and asked 10 pastors, is it all right if I remarry after divorce? You are probably going to have 10 pastors who tell you it is all right to remarry when the Bible says you commit adultery if you remarry after divorce, women. So you really have to consider the Bible. Now, an apostle's going to do just what you've heard me do. They are going to take you to the different scriptures and show you what the Bible says. That's what apostles do today. Now, why would they want to eliminate them? Because Antichrist in the churches wants to set up another doctrine. And yes, Antichrist is operating in the churches today. Jesus said, call no man father. That's in Matthew chapter 23. Call no man father. The Catholic Church calls their priest father. That's the opposite to the teaching of the Bible. That's Antichrist. Protestant churches do it all the time. They tell divorced women they can remarry. That is Antichrist. Opposite to Bible. But the apostles have an, are ordained, have an, are ordained by God to take these scriptures and show you these scriptures and get you to focus on the scriptures on this doctrine so that you can make a correct decision. For we're all going to 
appear at the judgment seat of Christ and be judged. Whether our works are good or bad, I'm quoting from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. How are we going to be judged? We're certainly not going to be judged by the doctrine that you are being taught in your churches. God is not going to say to you, oh, you learned this in the Presbyterian church? Oh, well, then you're excused. That's okay. He's not going to say that. You're going to be judged by one thing only, the Word of God, the Holy Bible. And it's your responsibility to settle the issue through the Bible, through the New Testament. That's where the rules from God are presented. 2 Timothy verses 3. Let's go to 2 Timothy verses 3, verse 16, and see if you believe this. Do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Or do you think the Bible is just the opinion of men? I sincerely hope you believe it's the Word of God. For if you do not believe the Bible is the Word of God, you have no rule book. I believe with all my heart the Bible is the Word of God. In 2 Timothy verse three, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You do not get your rules from a church group. You get your rules from the New Testament Bible. And by that, you know whether your church group is preaching the truth on all points. You have to prove everything by the Bible. And then you know the truth. For the Bible is the inspired word of God. And the words of Jesus are anything that is inspired by God. So apostles have a heavy ordination by God to share different scriptures with you on any given subject so that you can compare scripture against scripture and know the truth. That is the job of an apostle in the New Testament church. I have been in church groups where they have taught that Paul was the last apostle. There are no apostles after Paul. And that is so false. The last apostle of the original 12, the last apostle was Matthias. If you look at Acts chapter 1, they came together to replace Judas, who had by that time caused Jesus to be captured and crucified, and then Judas committed suicide. And they met together. Peter called them together. 
and said, we need to replace Judas as one of the apostles. We've got to have a replacement for Judas. So they selected two men, and they drew lots. They prayed. They said, God, you know the hearts of these two men and which you have chosen. So please show us which one is to be the replacement for Judas. Which one's to be the twelfth apostle? And the lot fell upon Matthias. So Matthias was numbered with the twelve apostles. That's in Acts chapter 1. So Paul was out at that time capturing and killing Christians, causing them to be killed. At the time Peter was doing this with the church, Paul was persecuting the church, persecuting the Christians. So how did he get to be an apostle? Well, he got to be an apostle because on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, a bright light fell on them, and they all fell on the ground. They were at that moment out trying to find Christians to capture them and put them in prison and kill some of them. And this bright light shined upon them as they were traveling to Damascus, and they fell upon the ground. And Paul heard this voice from heaven say, Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? And Paul said, Who art thou, Lord? And the voice said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Paul said, What must I do? And Jesus told him, Go on to Damascus, and you will be told there what to do. When Paul opened his eyes and looked up, he couldn't see anything. He was blind. He had to be led by the hand to Damascus. Jesus sent a disciple to Paul for the purpose of restoring his sight. And from that point on, Paul was an apostle because Jesus revealed himself to Paul. That's the Jesus who's already been resurrected. He's already been crucified and resurrected. He is the Jesus of Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, After Jesus arose, he gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Paul is actually one of the first of the New Testament church apostles given by Jesus. He's not the last apostle. He he didn't replace Judas. Matthias replaced Judas. Paul is that apostle appointed by Jesus in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 and 11. The scriptures that I've read to you today show there are apostles. They show, we're going to look at prophets in just a minute. They show there are apostles. When I see something in the New Testament, and I see something happening in the New Testament, I know that same thing could happen today. There is nothing that has come along to invalidate the New Testament rules. 
Anything you can see printed in the New Testament could happen today. What about prophets? They will say that there are no prophets. But what does the Bible show us? That's where I learned this. What does the Bible show us? Were there prophets in the New Testament church after Jesus arose? Well, Ephesians says he gave some prophets, not one prophet, some prophets. Not one apostle, some apostles. Some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, multiple ones. Are there prophets in the New Testament church today? Are there examples in the Bible, the New Testament Bible, of prophets working in the New Testament church? Yes, there are. Acts chapter 11. We'll look at that. Barnabas and Paul were in Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now verse 27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up, and there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul, Paul. Okay, so they're in Antioch, and some prophets come to, come to town. In these days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch. This is the New Testament church. This is like today. There has nothing been changed since those days. What we see then could happen now. One time I was in having coffee with a couple of Baptist women, and one Baptist woman began to tell me about their church. And she said, we have this woman at church. The pastor is building a new church building, and this woman is against it. What do you think might be wrong with her? Out of my mouth came, maybe she's a prophet. Prophets frequently see things that people are doing in the churches that the people just think are wonderful, but they're wrong. It's the wrong way to go. Well, those two Baptist women didn't say any more. That's what prophets do. There was a woman in our church group who was going to marry. And it was totally scriptural. She hadn't been married and she was going to marry. And she told us about her fiancé. We had never met her fiancé because she lived in Colorado Springs. I lived in Texas and one of the other prophets in our group lived in Texas. So we had not met this fiancé, but I felt very negative about this marriage. And the other person in our church group who was a prophet felt very negative about this marriage. And we both spoke up. And we told this woman how we, that we just didn't feel good about this marriage. So she postponed the wedding. And after she postponed the wedding, her 
intended, told about his adult-aged son. He was divorced, and he told about his adult-aged son. He was going to marry a divorced woman. Our church member spoke up and read to him that whosoever marrieth the divorced woman commits adultery. Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. After that, this man did not want to marry the church woman. He said he was a Christian, but he didn't want anything to do with her after she read scripture to him. He was one of those counterfeit Christians who joins the church without having the Spirit of God. Today, 40 years later, she is so thrilled that we spoke up and saved her from that marriage because she respected the offices of prophets and what they do. And she wasn't going to go against two prophets who were telling her they felt uncomfortable about this marriage. At the wedding ceremonies, it's so phony because they say, if any person know why this couple should not be joined together, let them speak up or forever hold their peace. At the wedding ceremony. <laughs> well, it should be done before the ceremony, and prophets will do that. In Hosea, I believe it's chapter 13, verse 12, it says, by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. Prophets are used to help you to get out of traps and to stay out of traps. Prophets deliver messages of correction to individuals in the church, or to the pastors, or to the evangelist, or to the whole church group. That's one of the things prophets do. Another thing prophets do sometimes is show you things to come because Agabus also went to a church group in Acts chapter 21, a New Testament prophet to the New Testament church. Acts chapter 21, let's look at that. Paul had gone to visit Philip the Evangelist. And Philip the Evangelist had four dollars who did prophesy. But as they tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Acts 21, verses 10 and 11. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. But God sent a prophet to Paul to tell him what was going to happen to him. And Paul traveled with prophets. One of the prophets he traveled with was Silas. That's a New Testament prophet told about in Acts, uh, in the book of Acts. 
Silas. We'll look that up. Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Silas was one of the prophets. We also read in the New Testament about Silas being one of the prophets. That is in Acts fifteen thirty two, And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren. Now that's not the Judas that had Jesus crucified that turned him in to the Jews. This is another Judas. Judas and Silas, being prophets, also themselves. And Paul chose to have Silas travel with him. A prophet. Now, why would Paul do that? Paul was an apostle teacher. He needed that prophet. That's another part of the body of Christ. It's The body of Christ is like likened unto the human body. We have hands, we have eyes, we have feet. The hand cannot replace the feet. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers do different things. If someone says to you, I'm, an, I'm a prophet, this doesn't mean that it's anything weird. It just means they have an anointing by God, and often they're given a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom in the spiritual gifts, and they will be with you, and all of a sudden they will have a flash of insight, which you need to know. God taught me this at the beginning of my time as a Christian. I went to a prayer group. A small number of women met in a home and prayed for people. I was in this prayer group, and everybody was praying over something, and I heard the words, look up. This is my first experience with word of knowledge. I looked up while they were praying, opened my eyes, and on the wall, it was like I saw an outline of a part of the human body. And I said to God, I know that's a part of the body, but I can't remember what part it is. And I heard stomach. I said, oh, yeah. It was like the old Pepto-Bismol commercials showing the stomach. So when the women quit praying, I said, does someone have a stomach ache? And one woman said, I do, I do. And I said, well, I've just had a word from God about stomach. And they all started praying for her, and I assumed she was healed. Frankly, I couldn't think of anything except just what I had been shown by looking up at the wall when I heard look up, because this was my first experience with word of knowledge. Because I spoke up that day, it revealed her problem where she could, I believe, be healed through prayer. Well, God uses prophets that way. Prophets just have insight. And they have to be brave enough to speak up to the right people. Just like that woman that was always so critical of her pastor because he was building this big church building. What was wrong with this woman? Well, maybe she was a prophet. 
Maybe they were going the wrong way. Prophets bring correction. Let's look at that Hosea passage for a moment. I believe it's chapter 13. It's Hosea chapter 12, verse 13. And by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet was he preserved. Prophets are used by God to get you free from traps and to help you stay out of traps to warn you. Hosea 12:13 Once again you can see all of the scriptures that I have spoken today you can see them on our blog If you will go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations on the right side of the home page you'll find podcast Recordings and Scriptures. You can hear the recording of this episode, which is episode 3. You can hear the recording, and you can read the Scriptures as I am speaking them. I don't plan these messages ahead of time. I turn on the recorder and speak the scriptures as I hear them from the Holy Spirit. So after I finish this podcast, I will stop the recorder and sit down with my computer and type out each scripture that I've spoken on this recording so that you will have the scriptures in order of the way they were spoken on the recording. By the Holy Spirit. I'm led by the Holy Spirit to speak these things to you today. I'm not led by planning them. It is the Holy Spirit reminding me of the scripture and then I speak it. This is one of the works of the Holy Spirit for each of us. There are two sections of scripture which tell what the Holy Spirit does. For the believer and every one of us who are born again, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's in Ephesians 1. The things the Holy Spirit does for the believer are listed. Two, four of the things that the Holy Spirit does for the believer are listed in John chapter 14, verse 26, and John chapter 16, verse 13. And one of the things in John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit reminds you of everything Jesus has said to you. God taught me to follow the Holy Spirit when I write or when I record broadcast. I have quite a few books on Amazon. And you can see those if you want to. It's Joan Boney, B-O-N-E-Y. Just go to Amazon and type in Joan, J-O-A-N-B-O-N-E-Y, and that will pull up the list of books that I've written. There are a lot of them. But all of the books are just like that, too. When I start writing, I'm writing what I hear the Holy Spirit say at that exact moment. When I record these broadcasts, I'm speaking the, what the Holy Spirit 
shows me at that exact moment what he brings to my ear. So you are hearing a message that is from the Spirit of God to you today. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you.